0: Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 138, The Whys and Hows. So during the summer, my teenagers were pushing back a little bit on the standards that are found in the For Strength of Youth. They would ask, why do we have to follow them? <laughs> what does it matter how we dress or the language we use or our Sabbath day observance? And I don't know, by the time they had listed all of their questions, we'd probably hit about half of the standards found in the booklet. And as a parent, it would have been so easy for me to say, because that's how we do things in our house, period, end of questions, end of discussion, because that's the right way to live. It's the right way, and so what, your dad and I expect. Yeah, I'm wise enough to know that that if I wasn't careful, I would be setting up a scene of rebellion between them and their father and I that would be not only harmful to our relationship, but it would impact their relationship with God, whose standards these are in the first place. So I asked them if I could have a day or so, a couple of days I think is what I took, to be able to get back to them. Because I wanted to have time to think about the why. It had been a long time for me. The standards were something that were just now a part of me. I was, I was convinced a long time ago about the blessings that they do bring into my life. And I, but I needed time to remember why I had embraced them in the first place. And, and why I still continued to embrace them. Because, true to the observations of my teenagers... Not all members of the church do, so why should they? So I thought about it as I would blow dry my hair, as I was cleaning the dishes, as I was making the bed, I would pray to know what the big deal it is about following the standards. That why should we follow standards that really do make us stand apart from the world? They aren't always the popular way to go. Most often they're not. That sometimes they do seem old-fashioned, and they Actually, require a lot more effort when shopping, a lot more time and attention, right? (laughs) More searching of the English language as we try to articulate ourselves, especially when we're mad. And it definitely, those standards, they definitely make us a peculiar people. And I also wanted to remember why, as a youth, I had committed to follow them in the first place. And the recollection that I received to that question was because I love Jesus. Jesus, it's his gospel, his requests, his ways have been the center of all my greatest desires and my love for Jesus helped me to recall why we were counseled in the first place to be different from the rest of the world. That's because we have chosen to step aside from the world and be counted among those that belong to him that represent Him, that welcome Him to work His wonders within and among us. And that takes us obeying Him, abiding by His conditions, so He can perform His work within us. That's how precious our agency truly is, and that's the relationship that God very much honors between us and Him. So, if He asks me to use different language because I am a representative of Him, or to use my time in such a way, or dress differently, or devote my Sunday to worshiping him, I choose him. If in order to keep myself clean, and for, in order for him to help me stay clean, both in body and mind, so that he can direct me, and so that he can sanctify all of my clumsy efforts that I'm making, and that means I need to adhere to dating behaviors, or my dance is modest, or I cherish the gift of repentance, or I develop a gratitude practice, yes, I can do all of that. Because what He is giving me is tenfold. Notice how I had a testimony of the why, which allowed me to embrace the how. The why that I ended up explaining to my children was the plan of salvation, Or as Alma refers to it in chapter 12, the plan of redemption. Remember last week, Alma spoke to Zeezrom about deceit and mistruths of the adversary. We learned that we are accountable for our thoughts, words, and works, which will either enable us to receive more truth or they will cause us to lose it. Now remember how accountability for our thoughts, words, and actions were so foreign to those who followed the order of Nehor. Which makes sense. If you eliminate the belief in the need for repentance because you have eliminated the truth of the resurrection, then why would you believe in an afterlife? In righteous living? What would even determine righteous living? Why would anyone even bother with that in the first place? All of the incentive is gone, right? And the chief ruler, Antiona, asked Alma, what do you mean? What do you mean a man will rise from the dead and be changed from this mortal state to an immortal state? What do you mean that the soul will never die? Because if that's the case, what do the scriptures mean when they teach that God placed cherubim and a flaming sword at the east of the Garden of Eden to prevent Adam and Eve from partaking of the fruit of the tree of life so that they wouldn't live forever? Antiona concluded that there was no possible way that we will live forever because of these actions that God took. And he believed it was a catch a moment for Alma. And isn't that interesting? Can you see how if we don't read scripture and if we don't read all of it combining principles together, if we don't actively seek after the restoration of all things, we can draw conclusions and even have scriptures support ideas that sound nice and pretty, but actually take us away from God. And this is exactly what the Order of Nehor had done. They did not believe in an afterlife, so therefore, they saw no need for redemption. Therefore, a Savior. Their daily life model realistically could have been, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. When we don't believe in the plan of redemption and keep that at the center of our thoughts, we slip and eventually eliminate our accountability for our thoughts, words, and actions. There is no need to strive to be holy. To put off the natural man, to bridle our passions, to forsake evil, and strive for righteousness because you know all of that takes a lot of brain power and a lot of emotional effort, right? What is the difference between evil and righteousness anyway? And without that distinction, there's no need to repent or to answer to God. When we fall for the half truths and the deceit of the adversary that tells us, I am fine the way I am. Don't impose your morals onto me. You're taking away my rights. My life doesn't affect anyone, and I have nothing or no one to answer for or to. There would be nothing left that would entice us, either in prosperous times or depressed times, to come unto God and to seek His ways, because really we would be convinced that whatever our ways were, were just fine. The order of Nehor, which negates the need for the plan of redemption, keeps us in our lost and fallen state, because our natural inclinations as humans, as mortals is a lost and fallen state the order of nehor and the absence of the plan of redemption also voids out god's work making him a liar which alma explains to all those who are willing to listen that that is exactly what god prevented when he protected the tree of life from adam for if adam had eaten of that fruit he would have lived forever Voiding the consequence that God God gave, thou shalt surely die. So the results of Adam's thoughts, words, and works, death came upon mankind. It was the temporal death, the dying of the body. And Alma explains that with that then came this probationary state, which is mortal life, which is a state in which it is a time for us to prepare to meet God. A time to repent from our lost and fallen state. Or how I explained it to my children, a time to choose Jesus. A time to discern between His holy ways and the world's fake ways. To seek after light and beauty available to us through Jesus Christ. And yes, that is light and beautiful music, light and beautiful thoughts, words, dress, mannerisms— light and beautiful books, relationships, worship, works. If Adam had been permitted to eat of the fruit of the tree of life, he would have been forever miserable in this state, experiencing no preparatory state. The plan of redemption would have been frustrated, and God's word would have been nothing But God in His mercy protected Adam, and though Adam now had eaten the fruit of the tree of truth and knowledge, becoming as God, did you notice that wording in this chapter? Being able to act according to His will and pleasure, choosing either to do good or to do evil. So God in His mercy, He had a plan to spare man from this lost and fallen state and steer the will and pleasure of man towards a celestial edification instead of destruction. As the order of Nehor embraced the lost and fallen state of mankind, the doctrine of Jesus Christ urges us, don't you settle. And God saw that man needed to know about him and to know the eternal blessings appointed unto him now that he was in this preparatory state. They needed to know, we needed to know, that this was a time to prepare to meet God. Which, by the way, is just pretty awesome about him. He isn't a drop-in, unexpected, and without announcement kind of guy. He hasn't withheld his expectations, keeping us in a state of guessing what will please him and what is worthy of his approval. He doesn't change the rules on us, making something once was acceptable but is no longer acceptable, or vice versa. No, he has revealed to us how we can be ready to stand in his presence from the beginning. And he initially did this, Adam taught, by sending angels to converse with men. And then man was able to behold God's glory. And then man began to call upon God's name. And notice how man's agency, the use of our thoughts, words, and works to commune with God was necessary. Notice how then God could then converse with man. And the first thing he did was make known unto man the plan of redemption. The first thing he did was tell us the why. Why we should choose him and to love him and seek him and to follow him. Why to do so would bring us joy now and complete joy in the life to come. Why evil is so easy and available to choose, but how righteous will open for them up the grace of God. He first told us the why, helping us to see clearly what we should desire. And then he taught us the how. He revealed to man the mysteries of God, filling them with light and knowledge, all because they exercised faith in him repented of their errors, and then exercised works of righteousness. And then he gave further commandments on how they could place Jesus back into the center of their lives. That is why we keep the standards. So Jesus can be in his rightful spot in our lives. We follow the hows that keep us focused on the why. This is how we can have peace and freedom from worry and turmoil, and it's what all of God's children desire. The scriptures refer it to as the rest of God, and it's no accident that God's children crave peace and freedom. We all desire it. It's just some of us haven't been sold on the whys and the hows yet. Some of us have settled for our lost and fallen state. Some of us have our hearts still hardened for a myriad of reasons, but some, unfortunately, are mimicking too much the order of Nehor philosophies, which prevent us from being able to embrace Jesus, who He truly is, and what He truly can do for us. They prevent us, then, from being able to enter into the rest of God. But Alma teaches Jesus is the key— Not only in our parenting, which, by the way, if this parenting tip of explaining the why before the how was good enough for God to use, how can we strengthen our parenting abilities by applying it in our families? For example, do your children know why we go to church? Why we hold in reverence the proclamation of the family? Why we sacrifice? Why we pay our tithing? Why we pray? Do they know why we treat each other kindly? Why we want a tidy home? Why we will do anything to get to the temple? Why we want to keep our bodies clean? Why we need to eat good foods and get adequate sleep? All of the answers come more clearly when we put Jesus and the availability of His Spirit to us in the center of everything we do. The key, the why, the plan of salvation the key and the why is redemption i also want to point out that alma teaches even god called on man in the name of the Son. did you notice that through his son is how god can have mercy upon us when we repent and soften our hearts jesus is everything jesus is everything He is the way, the truth, and the light for us and even for the works of God. And if you would like help on putting Jesus back in the center of your life in how you think about yourself and your relationships with others, I'm extending an invitation to you to sign up for coaching with me. I am passionate about helping my fellow sisters be able to find joy in gospel living, to have the confidence, the true confidence that God desires to give you simply because of your true nature. But some of us have forgotten what that true nature is. And from now until the end of the year, I'm offering my services, which are 10 45 to 60 minute sessions with me for only $200. That's less than a copay and it is so worth it. It is the ultimate self-care to take an hour per week to focus on the roots of your creations, your thoughts, and to intentionally align yourself with the characteristics of God. How to be more merciful and less harsh. How to be confident in creating by recognizing truth and moving towards that. By choosing love over fear, which is always the answer, by the way. Love every single time. And to sign up for coaching, email me at carrie at sisterscriptorians.com and you and I will take it from there. Even if my schedule is full for the time being, I will honor the pricing for those who choose to be put on my waiting list. And that's a pretty good commitment for something that I know will make the difference in your life. I'll see you next week.